Good morning. Oh, I love how you say that back. I'm just going to go back a little bit. Thank you. I hope you're all sitting comfortably. We've had some amazing stories this morning that we've been listening to. How are your hearts this morning, I wonder? Oh, not that one. There we are. How are your hearts this morning? We know that if there are things that are wrong with our hearts, that we can be in all sorts of strife if they're broken in some sort of way. This morning, though, we're not going to think about our hearts in terms of their physical workings or in terms of I'm in love or my heart is broken. Although if you are sitting here this morning and either of those are true for you, then please can I encourage you to go to the prayer corner afterwards. There will be people who will be very keen to pray for you. And if there's something physical, please make sure you've seen a GP. It's your health announcement for the morning. This morning, though, we're going to think about hearts as they thought about them in Jesus' day. Uh, the heart being the very center of who we are, like the essence of who we are, that um, the deep thoughts that Brendan um, has, that he was talking about, come from the heart, as well as the emotion, not just uh, the love, but fear and joy and all emotions coming from this very central part of us. So we'll think about our hearts in that sort of way this morning. This month we've been exploring this theme a great topic, Jesus the Game Changer. And we've heard amazing stories. Thank you, uh, Brendan and Marcus, both of you, for sharing your stories with us this morning. It's generally agreed that of all the people that have ever lived, that Jesus has been the most influential. People may say he's not number one, but they couldn't argue that he wasn't near the top. He's meant to be, he's said to be one of the most influential people that ever walked the earth, and not because of might. And not because he got involved in politics, but his influence because he gathered 12 and a few more nobodies around him. And he lived life alongside them. He demonstrated love to them the way he loved. He showed them his power the way he healed the sick, the way he calmed the storm. His influence by just pulling them in and loving them and walking through the days with them. Jesus' influence was through his death a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus' influence was through his rising back to life and then sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the game changer, one person at a time, one heart at a time. And as he changes us, changes what's inside of us, he will then make a difference to the world through us, transforming the world um, for good through us as well. And this has led to shifts in culture, to shifts in law, to shifts in value systems in the world. Jesus has had this influence one person at a time. In the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about Jesus the game changer, and we've thought about um, the way he values women. It was a game changer. The way he encourages humility was a game changer. The way he views all people as equal, created equal before him, a game changer. And as we've heard this morning, we're thinking about from revenge to forgiveness, this whole idea about forgiveness. In Jesus' day, it was very much accepted, this idea of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So if you hurt my eye, the way that it'll be settled is I will come and hurt your eye. If you kill my family member, then I come and kill your family member. I can't do anything worse to you than you did to me. But as long as I keep it on a level par, then we're sorted. All is fine. 
There was forgiveness available. You could get forgiveness from God if you went to the temple, but only actually if it was something that you did unintentionally, not for the things that you did intentionally. Jewish rabbis who were the teachers of the day would teach that actually you should forgive. And they would say you have to forgive three times. But on the fourth time, you didn't forgive the person. That was too many. That was pushing it too far. I love the Greek word for... um, Is there a word up there? Oh, I had a word up there with it. My word has vanished. There's the Greek word for forgiveness, which has vanished, which was over in this space here. (laughs) Um, For forgiveness actually means to let go. It's like this idea of holding onto a balloon, an inflatable balloon, and letting it go and seeing it drift off into the distance. That's what it actually means in Greek, to forgive somebody. And so the idea that three times the rabbis taught, you were to let go and to let it float off the wrong that had been done. But on the fourth time, you were to hold it. You were to hold onto it. You were not going to let go of it. That was too many times. But Jesus teaches that we're to forgive. Peter, one of Jesus' followers, I think must have been thinking that he was pretty good, he was pretty merciful, because he went to Jesus, and knowing that the rabbis say three times, he asked Jesus, well, how many times are we to forgive then Jesus? And he was pretty smart, because he doubled what the rabbis said and added one. So he said to Jesus, well, how about seven times? That's pretty merciful, isn't it? Seven times are we to forgive. And Hashim, in the video, um, said Jesus' response. He did the maths, a 15-year-old. I haven't even done the maths myself. But Jesus said, you are not to forgive seven times. You're to forgive seven times 70. 70 times seven times. That, I'm assuming, is a pretty big number, which means that we are to forgive and to forgive and to forgive again and again. We're going to come back to this in a minute because I imagine that there are some of us sitting here this morning who think, actually, that's really, really difficult. It is incredibly difficult thing to do. So we're going to come back to that. But I want to just think for a moment, what do you think a heart looks like that has unforgiveness? What do you think it does to your heart if you carry revenge and you don't forgive? Well, there'd certainly be wounds on that heart, wounds from where it's been hurted. And if we don't forgive, it's a bit like rubbing that wound and it can get a bit infected. And we know that infection leads to sickness. I think that if there are hearts where there is no forgiveness, that they can become infected or they can become hardened. If we're holding on to the wrong against us so tightly, our hearts can harden. Or it's almost like there are chains around it. We've bound that little corner of our heart and said, no access to anybody. That is my part where I am holding on. I have revenge in my heart or a grudge or just resentment and anger in that part. And that is chained. You might have met people in your life and you think actually their hearts might look a little bit like one of those. Maybe you know it to be true to yourself and you think maybe there's a bit of hardness somewhere in there. How is Jesus the game changer when it comes to forgiveness? It's because of his heart. It's because as we look at Jesus' heart, we see God's heart. If we're people who have chosen to follow God, then... um, We know that it's about relationship, that God wants relationship with us. We know that we're told that we're to love God, and beautifully, as Brendan described, we're to love other people. That's what we're called to do. 
And so every time we live our lives, and that's the calling on every person created by God. So if we live our lives and we live in a way that isn't loving God, or we live our lives and we're living in a way that isn't loving other people, then it wounds God's heart. If you read the Bible, it is remarkable how much God is affected by us. The joy that we can bring him is incredible. The sorrow that we can bring him, the hurt that we can bring him is deep and incredible. He hurts when we don't love people. But because of God's incredible love, he doesn't hold it tight. He chooses to let it go. He chooses to let go and to forgive. The moments of Jesus dying on the cross, a criminal's death, and the moment of Jesus coming back to life are the most profound, incredible moments of Jesus and of God letting go. It is in that moment that he lets go and says, I will forgive I will not hold on to the times that I have been hurt by you. I am choosing in that moment to let go. So God's heart doesn't become sick like this. His heart is good. It isn't hard. It isn't changed. God's heart pulsates with love for us. There's this beautiful passage. I've lost all my words. Where have my words gone? All right, I'll read it from my thing here. Okay, it's great. This is from the message version of the Bible in Ephesians, and it says this. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us, took our sin-dead lives and made us alive with Christ. It is like, let's see if my pictures are working. Ah, good pictures. (laughs) It is like God standing before us with this incredible gift, a gift of a fresh start, a gift of being able to ask him for confidence, as Marcus shared, a gift of asking him to change our hearts so that we can um, live and love radically, that he stands before us with this incredible gift, a gift that can give us peace. But God will never dump that gift in your lap. He doesn't leave it under some tree once a year for you to go and find yourself. Because it's about relationship. It's about relationship and it's about you choosing. It's about you actually saying, actually I recognize in myself that I haven't always loved as I should have loved. And I'm sorry in my heart for that. I'm sorry and I want that fresh start. I want to be able to start again. I want to be able to love as you call me to love. And in the moment that we choose that, something profound happens. Because God, holding this gift for us, takes our wrongs. And he doesn't hold them tightly. He takes our wrongs and he lets go. And he hands to us this beautiful gift of new life. 
in the form of the deepest embrace that you will ever encounter. Whether we feel it or not, there is this moment of deep embrace and the embrace is so love-filled that we are washed clean in that very instant, that we are accepted and that we can know peace deep within us. It's a simple choice and it changes everything. Many of us here have made that choice. We have chosen that we do want to follow Jesus, that we want that fresh start, that we want to live in relationship with God, that we want him to help us to love him. We want him to help us to love other people. But we know that we'll mess it up again and again, and we'll know that again and again we'll have to go back and go, I'm sorry, I've messed up again. Please give me a new start again. Please help me. Please help me to love. So if we're sitting here this morning and we've chosen to follow Jesus, I think the challenge for us is, have we examined our hearts? Is there any area of our heart where there is unforgiveness? Maybe a little corner that's hardened. Maybe a little corner that's under lock and key because I'm not giving that part to God because that will mean I have to let go of that hurt and I am not letting go of that hurt. I wonder if a thought pops into your mind of any unforgiveness. I'm sure for many of you there isn't. But maybe just in this moment, ask God, quietly in your minds or in your hearts, our thinking center, God, is there any unforgiveness in me that I need to actually let go of? And just see as as I carry on whether anything just pops into your mind. If we follow the game changer walking in his steps, then we need to, just like God does, we need to let go, take hold of it and let go and forgive. There's a story in Matthew 18 of a king and two servants. The king decides, I'm going to collect all the money from all the people that, um, all of my servants that owe me money. So he calls them in and one servant comes in who owes him millions And he says to the servant, right, you need to pay up. And the servant says, well, I can't pay up. I don't have that money. So he says to his guards, well, throw him into prison. He can't pay. But he falls down. Please be words. No words. (laughs) He falls down um, on his knees. And he says to him, it's a good thing I write all the words down here, isn't it? He says to him, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Well, the king has a kind heart, and he has incredible mercy on that man because he doesn't just go, okay, I'll be patient, take your time, pay it when you want. He says, okay, your debt is gone. You don't have to pay me anything. The debt is paid. Well, the servant gets up. I imagine he's pretty happy, and out he goes, and he decides he's going to collect money from all the servants that owe him money. And so um, he calls one forward who just owes him a fraction of the millions he owed. He owes him maybe a couple of thousand. And he says, you have to pay me the money. I can't pay the money. I don't have it. Um, Well, then you'll be thrown into prison. And exactly the same. This servant falls down on his knees with no words and says exactly the same thing. Have patience with me and I will repay you. But the servant that is listening, his heart cannot let go. His heart is hardened and he says no and he throws the man into jail and he says you will stay there until you have paid back every penny. 
Well, the king hears about this news get back to him. He is horrified because he has shown such phenomenal mercy to this man. And what does this man do? Nothing. His heart is hardened. He is not showing love and mercy. He hasn't learnt from it at all to anybody else. And so he takes that servant and he throws him into prison. His heart is hard. If we've been forgiven much, we're called to forgive. But as we said earlier, it is not an easy thing to do. It isn't easy. Let's see if my whole list of things... Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, I've just assumed no words from now on. Um, I thought we'd just look at just a few very quick things that are helpful to have in our heads as we think about forgiveness. Um, Things to to hold on to, to know, and Hashim in the video made some fantastic points in that as well. Things that are good to understand because it is incredibly hard. The deeper the wound that we carry from the hurt means the forgiveness is going to be um, a slower process. It's got to be deeper forgiveness. And so I think the first thing that it's good to think about that is forgiveness takes time. It's not that instant change and it's done. It will take time in our hearts. There's this fabulous um, thing somebody once told me. It is not forgive and forget. It is forgive and remember that I have chosen to forgive. Hashim in the video said something very um, similar about having a culture of forgiveness. That maybe we need our perspective changed Maybe we actually need to look at the person who has hurt us and actually see the brokenness that they come from. See, maybe they didn't mean to hurt me when they said, but maybe we need to ask God to help us change our perspective. I think we often need to find a voice. If we have been hurt, it's important that we find a voice in some way. Whether that is going to the person and saying, I'm hurt, or whether that is in some way writing to them or some way expressing it, even if it's not directly to them, even if that person never receives that letter, maybe they've died, maybe they would, are not interested in hearing it, but we need to express it. Um, yeah. It may be... Um, that we need to forgive them, even fully knowing that they're not actually asking for that forgiveness. My husband and I were discussing forgiveness in bed the other night before we actually started singing a hymn together. It was very random. We'd never sung together at all. But Sorry, Phil. But, and we were talking, and he said, he said to me, well, what if I... What if I um, do something wrong to you, and then I don't want your forgiveness. He's cowering over there. What if I do something wrong to you, and then um, you want to forgive me, but I say, no, you can't. I'm not going to let you forgive me. I said, it makes no difference. It's my, I have the power to let go, and whether you accept that or not, I will still choose to let go. It wasn't a particular thing. He hadn't upset me. It was the whole thinking of it. Also, we need to have wisdom, and sometimes that means we need to put up boundaries. Sometimes we need to choose to keep ourselves safe in the present and the future so that we can forgive the past, but actually have boundaries to protect us. And we have to be wise about that. And I think it's important to ask God to help us, ask him to soften our hearts. And just like Hashim said in the video, it very well may be that the hardest person to forgive at all is yourself. It may be that he talked about that. But he also said that if God can forgive you, 
then we must be forgivable. If we have this notion that we've done something so wrong that it can't be forgiven, but God chooses to forgive that very thing. And so who are we not to forgive that? Jesus wants us to forgive again and again and again. If there is something that we're still doing, though, some wrong that we're actually still doing in life, then he would want us to stop that, and we know that. It would need another whole talk to unpack it, so we won't now. But let's just choose, well, today I'm going to talk to somebody about that. That's going to be one thing I'm going to do on that journey, and then I'm going to forgive myself and let go. Let go. We need to let go because we have been forgiven much. We need to let go so that God can fill every crevice of our heart with love, with forgiveness, with peace, softening the hardness, causing the chains to fall off, bringing life back to our hearts. The hymn that we sung the other night, was by Charles Wesley, written in the 1700s. We couldn't remember very many of the words, but we remembered these words. He wrote it two days after he decided to follow Jesus, this hymn, an old song. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And down through the ages, people have chosen to forgive. From Jesus on the cross, forgiving those that nailed him to that wood. Forgiving those that stood and mocked him. The 12 followers of Jesus, all but one of whom were killed for what they believed in. And they forgave as they were killed and died. Down through the centuries to Hashim, who forgave the boy that shot him in the back forgave his parents and abusive stepfather. People have chosen to let go again and again. These people have become the game changers for Jesus in the situations that they're in because Jesus works in them and through them. So as we close, how about you? How about you? Maybe you've never experienced that first letting go of God of your wrongs, that first um, knowing of forgiveness from God. Maybe you sit there this morning knowing you want that fresh start. You want to be able to walk your days knowing that God is with you, that you can ask him for confidence. You can ask him to transform you into someone with incredible love. Well, if that's you, when the band sing in a moment, can I encourage you just to quietly talk to God? I was going to say from your mind, but from your heart, to just express what you're thinking. Talk to him about it, and then please come and see me afterwards. I would absolutely be honored to talk to you and to pray for you as well. For the rest of you who are followers of Jesus, If something has stirred in you and you go, actually, I haven't forgiven that person, just as we listen to the song, can you just take a moment and bring that again to God, knowing that he will go, okay, let's let go of this together. I'll let go of this and you can let go of this. And remember, you'll have to do it again and again, but let's do that. And can I encourage you to then ask somebody to pray for you, whether it's somebody you're sitting with or come over to our prayer corner. We're always keen in the prayer corner to pray for people. Jesus, 
is the game changer. One person, one heart at a time. And he invites us to join him in transforming this world for good.